You're listening to Places I Can't Return To, an audiobook by Sean Bear Flannery. Narrated by, well, me, Sean Bear Flannery. Each week, I release the next chapter here on this podcast. If you enjoy these stories, you can buy the full book in digital, print, or audio at my website, seanbearflannery.com. That's Bear, B-A-I-R. What you're about to hear are true stories. But this is no memoir. It's more of an illustration, maybe even a warning, of what your life will look like if you decide to live every day like it's your last. Because I followed that advice. I followed it for a good 15 years. And I cannot re-enter most of the places I visited in that time. Batteries galore. Summit Mall, Fairlawn, Ohio. Everyone has had job interviews they wish they could forget. Answers you bungled. Jokes you flubbed. Names you muddled. But have you ever had an interviewer ask you a technical question and then knock yourself unconscious? I have. When things go bad for me in a job interview, it's never in a way that you would find covered in a career advice book, where a simple rewording of an answer could have saved the situation. When they go bad for me, they don't go bad at the employment level. They go bad at the human level. I was interviewing at Batteries Galore, a narrow kiosk in the center of a mall that sold all kinds of batteries, some of which were fairly obscure. The store did very little business and made most of its money meager though it was, from changing the batteries of -of out-of-warranty watches and supplying odd, hard-to-find appliance batteries. The manager took me to a pizza shop next door and asked me a few opening questions, general inquiries about life and work. It went well, and after we ate, she took me inside the kiosk to show me more of the store. Her assistant manager knew me from a previous job. We were essentially drinking buddies at this point, and the assistant manager recommended me. Things were looking up. The manager began showing me the inventory as though I were to be her next employee. But, before we advance further, I should share a detail of my childhood that is essential to this story. My brothers and sisters and I used to lick 9-volt batteries. If you place a 9-volt battery on your tongue, if you squish both terminators against the old licker, Your body completes the circuit, and a quick, silly electrical charge can be felt inside your mouth. We thought it was hilarious, and we would dare each other to do it if we got a Christmas gift with a 9-volt battery. What's more, my father would routinely ask us to lick the 9-volt batteries in our smoke detectors in order to verify that they still worked. My dad trained us to learn about the world of electronics the same way babies learn about objects in their cribs. Put it in your mouth. We were now inside the kiosk, and the manager opened a drawer of unmarked rectangular batteries. They looked like 9-volt batteries, maybe a finger breadth bigger. And the manager asked, How would you describe your overall level of battery knowledge? I knew next to nothing about batteries. I had been lying through my teeth, during the entire interview. When asked to rank my battery savvy, 
I answered her confidently. I would rate myself as an expert, or, if I may, above. I'm sorry? Expert or above, I repeated. I then grabbed one of the rectangular batteries from the drawer and lifted it towards my mouth. At this point, I should probably mention, as it turns out, these were not 9-volt batteries. They were 65-volt garage door opener batteries. So I had miscalculated the energy in this cube by about 700%. I then asked my would-be boss a question of my own. You ever do this? I placed the battery squarely against my tongue, boom, and immediately knocked myself unconscious. I threw it back in my mouth like a spy trying to commit suicide before capture. The next few minutes were related to me later by various participants who were at the scene. One detail I was unaware of at the time was that there was a display case of watch bands that had been on the floor to make room for this inventory tour. My unconscious body fell onto that display case and shattered it completely. I was further told that there had been a customer present waiting to get his watch battery replaced, standing there with his two daughters. He swept both of them into his arms and ran away like people were being shot. Likely, he assumed I had died. And, as a dad on a tight schedule of errands, felt he couldn't afford the time to get pulled in to a police report. The manager, a woman so young she had probably never even given a job interview before, let alone witness someone assassinate themselves right in front of her, panicked. Previously, her biggest worry had been running out of double-A Duracells. Now, she has an unconscious body on the floor of her kiosk, and the only identifying info she had was my high school resume. I often wonder how that 911 call sounded. 911, what's your emergency? A man just electrocuted himself inside my store! Is he breathing? What can you tell me about him? Ah, uh, he once worked at Lady Foot Locker and types 45 words a minute. The social dynamics of electrocuting yourself in a kiosk, as opposed to a full retail store, are interesting. Unlike a store, where everyone can see your unconscious body on the floor and immediately realize there is a problem, in a kiosk, you collapse behind the counter and you kind of just disappear. So... To a passerby at the mall, all they saw was a woman at the register of a battery kiosk freaking out for no visible reason, like she was having the world's most fervent panic attack about a battery that wouldn't recharge. The next day, I got a phone call from the assistant manager of that kiosk, my drinking buddy, who had recommended me for the job. She was livid. I told them, you're the smartest person I know. I talked you up like you were so smart, I was lucky to even know you. And then you put a fucking battery in your mouth? Listen, I responded calmly. That battery was unmarked. And I want you to know, that is the first thing I plan on changing as your next employee. She laughed as I continued to joke that, in my eyes, the interview went quite well. Two days later, I'm not sure who was laughing, maybe God, when the manager of Batteries Galore called and said, yes, I was the best candidate she interviewed. She offered me the job. I was dumbstruck, silent for the first time in a long time, probably since I knocked myself unconscious. Who, I wondered, were the other people interviewing for this job? <laughs>
Did someone outright decapitate themselves? How did a man who electrocuted himself unconscious become the top candidate? So do you not accept? She asked after a delay. Well, uh, yes, of course. Thank you. Sorry. I accept. Um, I'm just surprised. I mean, I nearly killed myself in the interview. And on top of that, I think we can both agree I was, at a minimum, exaggerating my battery expertise. So I, I guess I just wasn't expecting to hear back. Look, she answered in a deeper, very deliberate tone. This job doesn't pay well. For you or me. So what's the point if you're not having fun? I'm offering you the job because it seemed like, assuming you don't kill yourself, you'd be fun to work with. Well, that is my goal. To have fun? No, to not accidentally kill myself. When one looks back on an old job, you always wonder what happened to certain people. What could he or she possibly be doing nowadays, you ask yourself? When I look back at batteries galore, I usually wonder what happened to that man who ran away with his daughters after seeing me electrocute myself during a job interview. More generally, I often ask, how many strangers over the years thought they had just seen me kick the bucket? The clearest victim of all my bad decisions is myself. The bones I've broken, the jobs I've lost, the tongues I've electrocuted. But I sometimes reflect on those downstream, forgotten sufferers. The bystanders who just returned from the mall. The Browns game, the turnpike. All convinced they had just witnessed a death. Hell, half the time I had done something so stupid, they probably assumed I was committing suicide. Imagine taking your kids out to run errands. And if you are a parent, you know there is no fate worse than bringing your kids on errands. When you see a parent running a weekend errand with multiple kids, you can safely assume that purchase is so important the family will die without it. You may even assume the other parent is dead because that's about what it would take for my wife or I to agree to take all three of our children to the hardware store alone. Have you ever seen a cartoon where one of the characters is sleepwalking, so the other character is constantly running ahead, putting down boards to save the sleepwalking character from falling into a well? Running errands with kids is a bit like doing that, but you're also looking for the paint aisle. One child is about to topple headfirst out of the grocery cart, the other is touching a power saw, and as you try to navigate the store without any of your offspring dying, the oldest is asking non-stop questions about where money comes from, or if the store is allowed to kill robbers, and did dinosaurs ever eat cavemen. Imagine balancing all of that, and just as you're about to accomplish one of these errands to finally cross something off the list, an employee puts a battery in his mouth and shocks himself dead in front of your kids. So, you have to run outside the mall, because you don't have time to have the police ask you a bunch of questions. But in the excitement, you can't recall where you parked. And your kids are asking, Is that man dead? Is he in heaven? When are we going to eat? You can't find your car. You now have to explain the afterlife. And 
Worst of all, your watch still doesn't have a battery.